I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Hebrews this morning. Hebrews chapter number 2 in your Bibles. Listen, I want you to hang in there with me. I'm not going to be lengthy today. I know we, we're going to baptize after the service. We don't Typically, we don't baptize on Sunday morning. We usually reserve that for Sunday night. But uh, it's important that we go ahead and start baptizing those that have been saved. And, and so I'm going to keep an eye on the clock today. And, um, and we'll, we'll, we'll do our best. We'll do our best to keep it brief. Now, I can't tell you what the Lord is going to do, all right? And uh, there are a couple things the Lord has confirmed in my heart the last few days, and that is that revival is not, revival is not based upon a preacher. But something else God has confirmed as well is that God uses His Word. He does use His Word. And so I want to, I want to, See if we can just, we, we want to sort of carry on with uh, our theme this week. And I want to talk to you about the greatest thing about salvation. And so Hebrews chapter 2 in your Bibles, when you find your places, if you'll stand, we're just going to read those first three, those first three verses this morning, and then we're, we're going to pray. And I'm going to jump into it this morning uh, quickly. And uh, first few verses, I'm going to just, it, it will not take the time to even turn to all these verses you can just jot them down if you're taking notes. And, and then later in your devotions, you can go back and you can look these up and you can study them out for yourself. And, uh, but I want to give you the reference so you can go back and do exactly that. I, I, don't want you to take, uh, I don't want you to take what you hear today because a preacher tells you. I want you to be able to go back and study it out for yourself. <clears throat> Hebrews 2 verse 1, the Bible says, Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, verse 3 says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. Now, again, notice the words there, especially the first part of the verse. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? You may be seated this morning. I'm going to talk to you about that. The greatest thing about salvation. The greatest thing about salvation. Uh, and so let's pray, and we'll jump right into it today. Father, we love you. And Lord, thank you for the privilege to be back at Calvary Baptist Church today. Lord, what a great day we've had, a great morning we've had, wonderful fellowship, great spirit. Lord, it's, it's been so good coming together and just fellowshipping with the family of God, as they sang about just a moment ago. Lord, to me at least, it's a high point of my day. I, I just love it. Lord, I love coming and just being here and watching people fellowship and and just love on each other. Lord, it's just wonderful. And I just thank you and praise you for it. And, and uh, Lord, we pray now. Father, we're, we, we've sung today. We've worshiped. Lord, the choir has sang today. And uh, Lord, we've read scripture now. And we've, we've tried, Lord, to do what we feel like you want us to do. And now, Lord, as we uh, come to this point and we preach and teach for just a little while today, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless uh, that you would bless. It's dependent upon you anyway. And so I pray that you'd have your way, Holy Ghost. 
I pray that men and women, boys and girls, would let go and let God have his way. And so touch us, breathe on us today. And Heavenly Father, we plead the blood of Christ over this service. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would please, at this time, I pray that you would focus my mind and and, uh, help my words to be precise. And I pray all that's done would glorify our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And for his sake and all God's people said, amen. And so there are many things that we could rejoice about when it comes to the doctrine of salvation. Let me give you a few real quickly, if I could. Uh, We find here, first of all, that it is referred to as the common salvation. Jude, the book of Jude, chapter 1, verse 3 The Bible says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. The common salvation. Now, uh, that may not sound like anything worth shouting about, but it really is. Uh, It is a common salvation. That's great news to share with this congregation today. Common. It's a common salvation. I looked up that word. And the word common means belonging unto generality, belonging unto generality, which means it's a a general salvation. That means this church, you don't have to be rich to get saved, but you don't have to be poor to get saved. Uh, It doesn't matter whether you're white or black or Hispanic or Filipino or Korean or Ukrainian or Russian or whatever the case may be. Well, I'm glad it is a common salvation. Uh, it is to the Jew and it is to the Gentile and, and it doesn't matter. Boy, I'm thankful you're here this morning and, and there could be someone here this morning and you say, Pastor, I don't think that God's salvation can ever reach me. And if you're here this morning and you're hearing the sound of my voice, I promise you it is a common salvation and God wants to save your soul today. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been and it doesn't matter uh, the, the, the past that you have. You say, Preacher, my past is so uh, defiled and and so putrid that there's no way that Jesus would ever save me. Yes, Jesus would save you. The Bible says that he saves to the uttermost and some have said he saves to the guttermost. And so I'm glad that Jesus can save you and he can take you out of the choir and he can put you in the mire. And uh, listen, whatever it is in your life, thank God I have a savior that can clean it up. And so it's a common salvation. And then our Bible says this, it's referred to as an eternal salvation. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 9, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Again, that's shouting ground. It's eternal salvation. That word eternal there means without beginning or end. It's eternal. It's an eternal salvation. You know, this probably happens at your house. Sometimes you go to the refrigerator or you go to the cupboard and you bring out an item that you haven't uh, benefited from in a long time and you turn it around and you look at the expiration date and it has expired. Uh, sometimes you folks that take different medications, uh, we, it, it's something called a shelf life. And you go to that medication and you look at the expiration date and it has expired. There's an expiration date on that, uh, on that label. Well, I've got great news. Salvation has no expiration date. Uh, it is it is as good today as it's always been. 
And the same salvation that saved Abraham will save you. And the same salvation that saved the Apostle Paul will save you. And uh, you say, Pastor, I, I, I believe I've waited too late. Well, if you're here today, that is evidence that God is working in your heart and God is working in your life and that the Spirit is witnessing to you. And so I'm glad I can tell you, thank God there's no expiration date on salvation. It is an eternal salvation. But, but, but notice this. It is not only common and it is not only eternal, but it's known as salvation through faith. Now that's a big one, and that's an important one. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.15, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. Now, again, this is so simple this morning, but I want to tell you something, that your salvation is not in you. If you say, Pastor, I've said enough Hail Marys, I'm going. It's not a Hail Mary that takes you. You say, Pastor, I've been baptized so many times, I'm going. It's not baptism that takes you. It's not signing a card. It's not uh, uh, what uh, grandma told you or what a preacher may have told you. You see, salvation is not dependent upon you. And by the way, salvation is not dependent upon me. Salvation is dependent upon one, and that one is Jesus Christ. And by the way, church, and I'm not preaching on this, and I can't, I, I, there's not a lot of, uh, I, I can't run a lot of rabbits today, although this rabbit has a lot of meat on it. Uh, it, it is, it is the thing that upsets people more than any other today, and it's something called a definite article. The. Preacher, I'm not following you. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the door, the life. And boy, that upsets a lot of people because they say, you know what, I don't believe that. I, I believe there's many ways to heaven. I believe I can work enough. I believe I can pray enough. I believe I can serve enough. I believe I can get involved enough. And I believe I'll go to heaven, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says there is one way to heaven. It's not to a priest. It's not to a preacher. It's not to a pastor. It's not by being a Catholic. It's not by being a Methodist. It's not by being a Pentecostal. You may be here this morning. You may be the best Pentecostal that a Pentecostal can be. You may be here this morning and you are a charter member of a Baptist church. And as far as Baptist is concerned, you're the best Baptist that a Baptist could be. But I'm telling you, it is not a denomination that takes you to heaven. It's only in Jesus. But notice this, it's through faith. It's through faith. And so the only way you'll ever get to Jesus is through faith. Several years ago, a friend of mine up in Salisbury, Maryland, uh, asked us to come to the Eastern Shore and to, and to preach in his church. And my wife and never, my wife and I had never been there. And so we loaded up the car and, and we drove up to, uh, to Virginia. We got over there to Norfolk, Virginia, and we were going to make our way over to the Eastern Shore, but we had to go through something called the Chesapeake Bay Tunnel Bridge. Some of you have been on it. It's amazing. You feel like you're in your car in the middle of the ocean. And it just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. And uh, there's big boats out there, ships, and, uh, and you can see waves, and you're in your car. And, uh, and all of a sudden, listen to this, all of a sudden, we came to the end of the bridge, but we weren't there yet. And you go down underneath the water for quite a ways. And then you come up again, and then you travel a little ways, and then you go underneath the water again. Now, my point being this, the way we made it to the eastern shore was through the tunnel. Did you know the only way that you'll ever make it to Jesus is through 
the tunnel of faith. That's the only way. You say, Pastor, where does that faith come from? Jesus gives you the faith to believe. God calls you to himself. God draws you to himself. And by the way, that's been a big, big factor this week. If you're here this morning and you have never, you've never experienced Holy Spirit conviction, God has drawn you to himself. I'm praying that it happens today. And so it is, uh, it is mentioned as salvation through faith. How about this? It's mentioned as the hope of salvation. First, First Thessalonians chapter five, verse eight. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. And so if you're saved, thank God, you have a wonderful hope today. But let's get to the message. In Hebrews chapter two, verse three, it's also referred to as a so great salvation. How shall we escape? Verse three, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? The word great there is, it, it means this, it means magnitude so great is what it means. Of a great magnitude. It's the idea of something that's vast. Something that's almost hard to comprehend. Something that's almost hard to, uh, something that's hard to compress. Uh, it is a Great salvation. It is a salvation of great magnitude. And by the way, the word salvation there simply means rescue or safety. In other words, if you're willing to put your faith in Jesus Christ, he'll rescue you today. Do you say, Pastor, what do I need to be rescued from? Hang in there with me. I want to tell you what is the greatest thing about salvation. How about this? Number one, through salvation, we're saved from hell. Now let's talk about the obvious first, okay? Through salvation, we're saved from hell. Now, that's not a popular subject and it's not politically correct and we don't hear a, a ton of preachers preaching on that anymore, but uh, boy, how many know that needs to be preached on some more in America? Uh, we need to get back to preaching on the doctrine of hell. Uh, it's mentioned 23 times in the New Testament alone. Uh, and I would just say today that just because you don't like something doesn't mean it's not real. And just because you deny something doesn't mean that it's not real. I'm glad I can tell us today that when we become a born-again Christian, our destination is no longer a place called hell. Thank God for that. Now, you say, Pastor, uh, what is that place? Well, what's that place all about? Let me very quickly, let me give you some things about hell. How about this? Number one, hell will lack water. The Bible says in Luke 16, 24, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. By the way, that never happened. That prayer request never got answered. And so that rich man in hell in Luke chapter 16 was asking for just one more drop of water. By the way, that water is a picture of that which brings contentment and satisfaction. Have you ever worked a long, hard day in July or August and it was hot and humid and it's 97 degrees outside and man, you work, maybe you're uh, putting fence posts in or, or you're working in the yard or you're trimming the hedge and boy, you are really getting dehydrated and you could feel yourself getting thirsty and uh, you went into the house and you got you a cool bottle of water and that water was so refreshing. It was so fulfilling. By the way, I love Diet Coke, but at, at a time like that, Diet Coke don't do it. And you, we got a lot of sweet tea drinkers out there. I know that. But I'm going to be honest. When you get that thirsty and that dehydrated sweet tea, don't hit the mark. 
But that water is refreshing. That water is fulfilling. And that's what the Bible's talking about here. Here was a man that wanted just a little bit more contentment, a little bit more fulfilling, and yet it never came. Hell will like water. Hell will be absent of light. Matthew 8, 12, But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew twenty two thirteen. Then said the king to the to his servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. Second Peter chapter two verse four. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness. Jude chapter one verse number six. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness. Second Peter chapter two verse seventeen talks about the mist of darkness. Sometimes people will say, preacher, I don't need your salvation. You see, one of these days, I'm going to hell. All me and my friends. And we we get to hell, we're going to take hell over. And we're going to party for eternity. Let me tell you something, good old boy. If you go there, you won't be partying. And if your friends go there, you won't see them. Because our Bible says it's a place of eternal, everlasting darkness. Our Bible says heaven will have no lasting peace. Luke 13, 28, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hell will be a place where there will be a longing for home. Luke 16, 27, then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would ascend into my father's house. Hell will be a place where there's a lagging memory. Luke 16, 27, then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would ascend him to my father's house, for I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that if you die in your sin and go to hell, you will remember this service. You'll remember. You'll remember the message that and there, may be, there may not be any other message you may ever remember, but you'll remember this service. You'll remember this message because the pastor preached it and you uh, were given the truth and yet you turned away from the truth and ended up going to hell. And in all of hell, you'll have that lagging memory. Let me tell you this, hell will be a place of long-term reminders. Luke 16, 23, the Bible says, And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Now listen to this verse. The Bible says in verse 26, And beside all this between us and you, there is a great gulf, this is talking about hell, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. According to Scripture, when the rich man died without Jesus and went to hell, there was a gulf in hell. Uh, and, and I looked up that word, and it's, it's the idea of a chasm. Chasm. That rich man could see across the chasm into paradise, and yet he could not get there. He could see those who were comforted. He could see those who were saved. He could see those who were righteous. He could see those that were in paradise, and yet he was in torment, suffering in torment. And he could see across, he could see across the chasm. And you say, Brother Pope, I don't understand what that means. Okay, some of you have been to the Grand Canyon. The Grand Canyon is a chasm. There are places that you can see across the Grand Canyon, but you can't just step over there. Because there's a gulf fixed. And so the Bible says that, that, uh, that hell 
is a place of long-term reminders. You say, preacher, I don't believe that. I don't believe in hell. I don't believe what you're preaching. I heard about the uh, young preacher who went to a town much like Union Grove, and he became the new pastor in the church. And uh, and um, and there was there was there was one old codger there uh, in the town. His name was Bert Olney. Bert Olney. And Bert Olney was lost as lost could be. And whenever a new preacher would come to town, he just sort of. He just sort of felt like he was, it was his responsibility to go to that preacher and try to discourage him and try to put him in his place. When that, that, that young, and he was just a young man, that young preacher was downtown and he ran into Bert Olney. And Mr. Olney said, I understand you're the new reverend. He said, yes, sir. He said, I just came here to tell you I don't believe your Bible. I don't believe in your God. I don't believe there's a heaven. I don't believe there's a hell. And that young preacher said, and as it is appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. He said, did you not hear me? I don't believe that. And the young preacher said, and as it is appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. Hey, preacher, I'm telling you, I don't believe that Bible. And the young preacher said, and as it is appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. And every time that atheist would come back in him, that little young preacher would say, and as it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment, he just kept on saying it. He wouldn't argue with him. He wouldn't debate with him. He just kept firing back the word of God. And Bert Olney, who was later came to Christ and was, was uh, uh, born again, he said that day uh, when he left out of that place, he said uh, every time he'd pass something going, he, he said that day as I crossed over the bridge over the river, and he said I heard the crickets, uh, the, the, the frog, chirping he said man it sounded like they were saying judgment 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 and he said every time I'd hear a sound he said all I could think about was judgment 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 and all this I'm telling you as it is appointed unto men once to die and after this the judgment I'm telling you judgment day is coming my dear friend it's coming you say brother Pope that's not uh, that's not very cheery preaching you're not making a better me today no, I'm making it better for you later on. That's what I'm doing today. And if you're here today and you don't know that you know that you know that you're born again and on your way to heaven, I want to tell you something. God wants to save you today. And so the greatest thing about salvation is that through salvation we're saved from hell. How about this? Number two, through salvation, oh, hallelujah, we're saved from our sin. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, the Bible says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Listen to me now. I know i gotta, I got to cut some things out this morning. Sometimes I want to ask people. You know, in North Carolina, I don't know if y'all know this or not, but everybody in North Carolina is saved. Did y'all know that? Everybody in the southeast is saved. If you ask people, are you saved? They'll say, oh yeah, I'm saved. And sometimes I want to ask people, what are you saved from? If you're saved, you're saved from something. And yet people say, yes, preacher, I'm saved. And yet they're living that same old lifestyle. 
Going to the same places, hanging around the same people, drinking the same booze, smoking the same dope, popping the same pills. I mean, never going to church, never reading their Bible, never spending time in prayer, never walking with God. Oh yes, I'm preaching it right this morning. And yet they say they're saved. Listen to me. If you're here this morning and you're genuinely saved, you are saved from something. And thank God the thing you're saved from is you're saved from sin. You're saved from sin. Man, you think about it. What a terrible thing it would be to stay in our sin for eternity. Timothy and Hannah have two boys, Moses and Adrian. They're in California now. And I remember before they left, they, they, they were over at the house and little Adrian, he was just tiny at the time, little Adrian, uh, they had put him off in our extra bedroom and he was taking a nap. And he had been in there for a while. He had been sleeping for probably a couple hours at least. And, and uh, a little bit later on, Timothy decided to go in there and just check on him, make sure he's all right. And, and he went in there to check on little Adrian. He came back out and he said, oh man, he got handed. And he said, you better come. And Adrian had had a, what we call a blowout. I don't know what you call it, but his diaper had a blowout. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. <laughs> There's no pretty way to tell you what I'm talking about this morning. He'd had a blowout. And Tim, I remember Tim coming out of the bedroom getting Hannah and he said, it is everywhere. He said, it's all over the bed. It's all over the comforter. He said, it's all over him. He is covered. Now, wait a minute now. Wait a minute. Adrian was so little, he was helpless. Are y'all with me? He was helpless. There was no help for this little guy. There was no help. He could not change himself. He could not go in the bathroom and run the bath water. He was helpless. I'm telling you, he was helpless. And he was a mess from head to foot. He was soiled. He was unclean. He was, he was defiled. And there was not one thing. Yes, there was not one thing he could do for himself. Had little Adrian stayed in that condition, it would have gotten worse and worse and worse. But Timothy and Hannah went in there and they removed that diaper and they removed those soiled clothes and they took him in the bathroom and they ran the bath water and they got the soap out and they got the, they got the shampoo out and they put him down in there and they begin to wash his body and they begin to cleanse him. You say, preacher, what's that got to do with me? I'm telling you, I don't know if it's got anything to do with you, but it's that sure got something to do with me. I'm telling you, there was a day in my life when I was soiled and I was unclean and I was helpless and there was not one thing I could do for it. I'm telling you, I was without hope. I was without hope. And thank God, Jesus came my way and he took my sins and hallelujah, He cleansed me and He washed me and He sanctified me. And now I'm clean. I'm clean through Him. You're here this morning. You know what? Somebody says, Preacher, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pretty good person. You know what Isaiah the prophet said about our righteousness? He said, our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. Good night. I ain't got time to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. You know what Isaiah was talking about when he said that? He was talking about those old leprous rags, preacher. Back in that day, leprosy was a dreaded, dreaded thing, and people would get that disease of leprosy, and those sores, those sores would weep and ooze, pus, 
And they would wrap those sores up. After a while, yes, after a while, those rags got so defiled that they would just take those rags off and discard them. Filthy, they became filthy. And Isaiah said, if you ever get to the place where you think you're doing all right, you need to understand something, that your righteousness is as filthy rags. There's nothing you can do that will make you uh, deserve heaven. And so thank God through salvation we're saved from hell. Through salvation we're saved from our sin. Let's bring this to a close. Through salvation we're saved to Christ. Now I'm going to be honest with you, the church, that's the best one right there. The best one is not that I'm saved from hell and the best one is not that I'm saved from my sin, but the best one is that I've been saved to Him. Colossians 1.20, and having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself. Titus 2.14, who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 9, God is faithful by whom you were called under the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Many years ago, I got to know this little redhead over here. We started going to the same church. Got sweet on each other. Dated for several years. And then one day we decided to be married. Let me tell you one of the greatest things about being married to this little redhead. When we got married, several things happened. Number one, I was able to move into my own home. Well, that was good. By the way, I have a good mom and dad. They're probably watching right now. Some of the best folks in the world I know. But I, but I, was, I was able to move into my own home. I was able to gain some new family when I married her. I was able to gain a helper when I married her. I was able to become a father when I married her. All those things are really good. Please understand. But the greatest thing, the greatest thing that happened when we got married is this. We were now able to commune on a regular basis. You know, there were times we were dating. Her daddy would say, time for you to go home. That ever happened to y'all? It's getting late. See ya. <laughs> and uh, by the way, that's the right thing to do. And there were times when, man, we were so in love, but I had to leave her. I couldn't stay. We weren't married. And so I had to leave. And uh, But boy, thank God, when we got married, we were able to be, begin that communing on a regular basis, that fellowship on a regular basis. The greatest thing about salvation is that I gain the greatest friend that a person could ever have. The songwriter said it like this, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I'm his own, and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Dr. Charles Weigel was a preacher for many, many years. He's in heaven now. He's been in heaven for many years. Charles Weigel was a gospel, a gospel preacher, traveled around preaching. And one day Charles Weigel came home when he was a younger preacher, came home and his wife said, I'm done with the ministry. And she said, you're either going to, you're either going to stay here and focus on me or you're going to go and focus on Jesus. And Charles Weigel said, honey, you know, I love you. But he said, you know that Jesus saved me. I've got to serve Christ. 
And Charles Weigel, preacher of the gospel, Charles Weigel's wife walked out and left him. Later on down the road, in a very, very dark, dark time, Charles Weigel wrote these words. I wish I could sing it for you. And it goes like this. I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus since I found in Him a friend so strong and true. I will tell you how He changed my life completely. He did something that no other friend could do. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as He. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much He cares for me. And can I just say to you, oh, how much He cares for you. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment. How many are here today? And you would say, Pastor, if you're going to be baptized, you can come ahead, but please come as quietly, as quietly as you can. Tiptoe, tiptoe. Father, I pray that you'll work in hearts right now. Father, I don't even know who it is, but there's someone here this morning that needed this message. And Father, if there is a person here today, and they don't know for sure they're on their way to heaven, Father, help this to be the day. March the 20th, 2022, help this to be the day that they trust Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. You're here this morning. You say, Brother Pope, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am saved and going to heaven when I die. If that is you, without anybody looking, if that's you, preacher, I know I'm saved. I know that I have been born again. If that is you, very quietly, would you just slip your hand up today as a testimony of that? Praise the Lord. You can lower your hands. Let me ask you this, though. How many are here today who would say, Preacher, if I died today, I am not sure that I would go to heaven. Preacher, I'm just not sure. And I want you to understand something, Preacher. I want to go. I want to go to heaven. It's not like I want to go to hell. It's, it's not like I'm mad at the Lord or anything like that. But preacher, to be quite honest, if I died today, I just don't know for sure that I'm on my way to heaven. Would you pray for me today? If that's you, would you just slip your hand up right now and let me pray for you? God bless you. God bless you. Who else? Who else right now? Would you just, if that's you, you say, Pastor, I'm just not sure. Would you pray for me? You'd slip your hand up right now. And it's so easy for me to miss in this crowd. Would you raise it as high as you can so I can be sure not to miss you? Is there another? Anywhere. Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure about heaven. Would you pray for me? I see that hand. Thank you. Is there another? Is there another? I'm going to try to scan slowly here. 
Is there another? I see that hand. Is there anybody else? Before I pray, Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Is there another? Can I pray for you? This week, many have come to Christ, for which we're so thankful. I'll tell you something else that's happened this week. Many have rededicated their lives to Christ. And if you're here today and you say, Brother Pope, I am saved. I am saved, but I'm not where I need to be with the Lord. I know that. I'm not. Preacher, I was hesitant to come here today because I, I was afraid God would speak to my heart. And sure enough, He did. He did. And I know, in my heart, I know I'm not where I need to be with the Lord. And I really need to rededicate my life to Christ. If that's you this morning, with every head bowed, every eye closed, would you slip your hand up right now? Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me that I rededicate my life to Christ. Yes, yes, yes. Amen. Who else? Who else? Preacher, pray for me that I'll get where I need to be. I've been running for a long time. God bless you. Who else? Who else? Come on. Come on. We're here. We might as well get some help today. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Who else? Preacher, I am saved, but I'm not where I need to be with the Lord. He's revealed it to me. I'm not where I need to be with Christ. Not living for Him. Not witnessing. Lost my joy. Who else this morning? Right now, you'd slip your hand up. Preacher, it's me. Pray for me. That I'll rededicate my life to Jesus. So very quietly around the house, would you do me a favor? Would you stand with us all over the house today? Father, thank you for what you're doing. And thank you for what you've done. Lord, one of the things that you have reminded me of in the last few days is that this, this is totally dependent upon you. So Lord, I pray as you've done many times this week, I pray that you would show people their needs. And I pray that they would come today. Father, those who raised their hands and said they're not sure about heaven, in just a moment, Lord, would you give them faith and then, Lord, would you give them courage to come? And we'd like to just take the Bible and show them how they can know that they know that they know that they're going to heaven when they die. We're not going to make them give a speech. We're not going to make them do anything like that, nothing like that. We just want to take the Bible and show them how they can walk out of here knowing Christ as personal Lord and Savior. So, Lord, have your way in this invitation, please, and we thank you.